So how, how would you suggest kind of acknowledging an emotion and like facing it without following it? Like where do you walk that line between acknowledging it versus like following it to the point where you get angry or irritated? Yes, so the thing is that the question is how do you acknowledge emotions without following it from, from A to B to Z? Yes, so the thing that when you uh, acknowledging, you use the word acknowledging or recognizing, so in this tradition we have what we call mindfulness. That state, we use that word as a single word, mindfulness, but actually the word should be right mindfulness. And the word right mindfulness come along with factors, different factors. Hmm? Like it comes with effort, right effort, it comes with the right understanding. That's why in a discourse we find out one practices mindfulness with atapi, energy, effort, mental effort. And then sampajanya, sati, which is mindfulness. And then sampajanya, clearly knowing. So these three factors are the ones who are going to help you if you actually allow to see the emotion when it arises. You apply right mindfulness. I'm now getting away from the word mindfulness as a single factor alone, which just allowing you to see what's present. But I'm using the word right mindfulness, which comes with along other factors, which is like effort. These three factors have different uh, functions. Like mindfulness itself, its function is to guard the mind. Then effort, uh, uh, another factor, of the, uh, of the mental factor, he has its function to prevent unwholesome states of mind and open floodgates for wholesome states of mind. And then clear knowing, uh, which we can say wisdom, as its function is to cut the defilement. So when an emotion arises and then we apply mindfulness, really not being kind of a, uh, low quality mindfulness, but really, really a very good mindfulness, which is right mindfulness, then actually we can cut the defilement without having to follow up. However, having said the same thing, sometimes eh, we find ourselves we have been caught up in emotions, we are far away. It, it arose and we, had, we didn't have enough mindfulness and before we know where we are, two minutes, three minutes, we are in a difficult emotion. Then we can use other methods. But actually, the first approach is, as you see it, is right mindfulness, is actually it come along with other factors that can help us not having to follow it, because it can just cut it off, and then we continue. But if you don't, it's not enough, still we always go, as you say, it will keep on, you follow it, follow it, and then before, the, then it, before you know where you are, you're caught up in it. And then whenever you realize, that, that's the good news, that whenever you, you realize that you are, you've gone so far, you are so much removed from the simple emotion that arising, now you are, it's fully blown, still there are other methods you can use. Does that help? Hmm? Your question, does, did I answer your question? Yeah, yeah because the question is, uh, how can we, uh, just re revisit it and see if you have addressed it. Re revisit the question. Uh, I guess my original question was, hmm. Like, how, how do we kind of 
deal with those emotions, face it, acknowledge it, go through it without following it to... This is it. Yeah. This is it. You see, there's a reason why I actually I sat down and put these things in this order. Because you need to do like this so that you can start getting wiser by, by knowing where it's present, by investigating whether it's changing or not. This time you are with emotion. By the way, there's even a different... Uh, when you're doing, you are doing like this, you are now actually with emotion and you are not getting caught up in it. Because when emotion comes, there are two things which is going to come. When you are not mindful, you get caught up in it and then you, it, kept, it t takes you for a ride. But when you are with it, then you can, with mindfulness, it, you, it can allow you to see, oh, this is the presence. This is the, you start investigating, it's impermanent, it's the non-self, then you can know the condition arising with it. So now this is the path to liberation. You are not getting caught up in it, you are processing it. But really, actually, if you miss this point, if you miss this, you miss this point, you are going to be caught up in it. And then you have what you call emotion commotion. And then you are going to have what you call emotion hijack. It's because of not following this process. But when you process this, you follow this process, then you, even if the, the emotion is present, you are getting wiser because you are investigating. These are called insight knowledges. These are insight knowledge. You can even actually really, you have a lot of wisdom so that next time it comes, you see it rising and passing out. So have you ever asked why some people have a resilience? In, in situations in life? Why, like people, that his holiness the Dalai Lama, he's facing a lot of difficulties in his country. You see people who are, uh, face horrible things, but they're able to deal with their grief. Uh, and then people get this grief, and then they, they suffer and they get depressed. Years and years, people spend three years in gr grieving. And other people, and then they go. It's because they have ability Eh? to know and understand fully, and then they can come back to normal. They are more resilient. What makes that is mindfulness effort to understand. That's how you do it. You miss that, you, you, you actually you start following the emotion and all that. Do you, I have a follow-up question, actually. If you, do you see any value in things like crying or screaming? Because or, like, I think, I feel like some people feel like that's allowing that emotion to, to get out. But do you feel like that's, you've gotten to a point where it's like too much? Okay, okay. I, I, I understand. So that, that way we talk about expression. And in Buddhism, what we do is actually, uh, in meditation, what we are doing, we are dissolving it. You remember when you talked about attitude? What you talk about is called catharsis. Catharsis? Yes, it's actually it's, it's a very common uh, used in psychology where they say that, okay, uh, when you have a problem, kick the pillow. When you, you remember when I, talk about, uh, I was talking about going on the top of the roof and express it? That's catharsis. You go there uh, really to express it. And according to the arguments, other people say it helped, but it helped short term short term. It has its value. Let's say when you cry, it's good. It's good. Sometimes you feel relieved. But when you're angry and then you start hitting pillows and imagine this is the person who made you angry and you start hitting the pillows, that can, uh, it might release just a little bit. 
but see the problem is the same. Yeah, so that, what you're talking about, is there any value in catharsis? Let us put it this way. Yes, there is, but short-lived. Short because the key is to get into insight and really get into the root of the problem. Mm. Get into the, what's the root of the problem is the condition that it's arising. So you have to know what condition, why is it arising? Kicking the pillow is not going to help you. It's like having a headache and you go to a saloon. You know, when you have a headache, you go and, to a saloon and start making your hair. Hair do. Will that, uh, saloon. Salon, yeah. Oh, what's saloon? Oh, really? <laughs> okay, thank you very much. So you go to, to a hair cutter and a hairdresser and say, you know, I have a bad headache. Please help me. And then you start doing what? Getting a little bit of style, hairstyle. Yes. That can help, but not so much. You have to go to the root. Yes. So th all these things are relevant. Uh, actually, for us, right speech. When you have a problem, go and speak somebody. Eh? Really, then you are speaking out. But going and shouting on the top of a roof, when somebody made you angry and you go on the roof and shout to all people who didn't make you angry, it's not going to help. So for us, we, when you are you, you, somebody make you angry, you can actually, there's room to go and practice right speech. So when you, you told me like this, and I felt um, like this, and it was unpleasant when I received it, then you talk with kindness, you talk with, uh, but it has to be the right time. Whenever you are speaking, yeah, to express your emotions, it has to be the truthful, it has to be correct, it has to be beneficial, it has, you have to sit at the right time and the right space. I mean, right, right place. You can still talk about this thing as a way to, to actually release that emotion through talking, but not shouting on top of the roof. Crying is still, you can cry, that's no problem. It's no, there's no problem. You, you cry because you have uh, tear glands and, uh, and also disappointed, you cry. That's no problem. We don't see it as a weakness. We don't see it as solving the problem, but it's a way how to release the tension. But it doesn't solve still the problem. The, this is the way to solve the problem, this one, especially this one. You can gain even liberation if you ever get to that point where you don't see your anger as I, mine, myself. Because you are uprooting it. You see, the things that even the, some of the psychology we have in the modern day, it's different from the psychology that what it was intended here. Here it was intended for full awakening. Not only just to solve the problem now in the present moment, but also fully awaken completely. To uproot the causes completely. Not just go a little bit of uh, <laughs> massaging, eh? a little bit of uh, smoothening things out. No, this is something aimed at ultimate uprooting of difficult emotions. Does that help? Yeah, thank you very much. Another question. So in, in the, 
in the replacement. Mm -hmm. um, sorry, there was something that came up in those three that, that or four that mm -hmm. had to do with, um, was entering my mind at the time and now I'm blanking out. But mm. um, maybe it has to do with redirection in that um, we can redirect, mm -hmm. right, mm. to the breath or to the body or even to nature. Mm -hmm. That doesn't necessarily permanently remove the, da the, the mm. anger or mm. the difficult emotion. Mm -hmm. So, and yet it, it's, because um, I know you and I have been talking about the somatic uh, mm -hmm. experience of this. Mm -hmm. it, it's sort of bouncing back, going back and forth, pendulating back and forth between, say, the breath and the anger and, and, and noticing as, because we can, we can escape into the breath or we can escape into the body or we can escape to nature, mm -hmm. but that doesn't necessarily get to the root of the, or even remove the anger, No. right? It can soften it and then mm. we can go back and just kind mm -hmm. of go back and forth a bit. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, that's your habitual something. Your friend was talking habitual, habit, 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 habit. You know that book on pain? Yeah, yeah. Habit forming, what's it called? Habit. Oh, uh, you are not your pain, you mean? Yeah. yeah pain. Oh, habit releaser. Yeah, this habit is a releaser. habit releaser. This is where the habit releaser is. So in biology, this is where it works in biology. Sympathetic nerve system, right? Sympathetic nerve system and parasympathetic nerve system, eh? right? This is for stress. This is uh, uh, no stress, no stress. So now whenever we uh, stimuli, stimulus. So what happened? It, it prepares our body. So this body, this part of the side of the nervous system, it will make sure that. Uh, whenever there's danger, there's uh, what you call uh, blood circulation will increase, increase blood circulation, right? Blood circulation, muscle tightening, increase of muscle tightening, to prepare us to run, eh? even blood clotting and all these things, then the high rate, blood heart rate, heart rate, then increase of breathing rate also, breathing rate, all this prepares us to fight or flight. So what happens, the muscles will be tensed more blood will be going in the muscles. Eh? Well, from the heart, more blood will be going to muscles to prepare to fight. So this environment, this environment put us into a very tense, tense, tense environment, tension. Eh? So now, by redirecting your mind, like the breath, eh? you are moving away from this environment, eh? stressful environment, whereby now, if you are Focusing on the breath, you are no longer fo focusing on the, uh, the, the threatening uh, situation. So now, blood, instead of going into muscles, now blood is moving away from the muscles, going back to, to the heart, right? So then there's a relaxation. We're going to relax, relaxation. Huh? 
So this relaxation will come in, and then everything, the heart rate now will go down, breathing rate will go down, then there is less blood circulation, and then all these things. So now, by actually redirecting your mind to something gay, you are, you are crossing from this sympathetic nerve system to parasympathetic nerve system, and then you relax. So by the time you go back, by the time you go back to the same thing, it, you have already relaxed. So you are actually, it's, it's a, a temporary method to get out of the situation, but it doesn't really go to the root. What goes to the root is this one. That's why we, we made them to be the first method. This one, the first method. This one. This goes to the root. This goes to the root. This goes, all this goes to the root and flush it out. But if this doesn't help, still in the warehouse. But it's the retracing. Retracing, uh, yeah, I know that, but is the retracing any different than the investigation? Or is it just a, a different way of looking at it? So, so the retracing. Are we finished this one? Yeah, Re I got that. And yeah. you got it from biology. I know you yeah. know that from the other yeah. course. Yeah. About, yeah. So now retracing is going to, this, uh, going to the roots. Right. Yeah, going to the roots. By going to the roots, it helps you to find out why am I always the person who has a lot of fear? Why am I the person always who has anger? There must be a reason. It's not just by, just by accident all the time. So as you go through that, you are going through really knowing the, what's nourishing it. I remember when I was in Thailand, I was meditating in a, in, a, in, in a cemetery. I wanted to see ghosts. And then all of a sudden I'm left in a, a cemetery. It's dark. Mosquitoes are biting me. And then I start thinking about tigers that are going to come and eat me because I was in the middle, in the middle of nowhere. And then fear came. I start asking myself, why am I having fear? I really want, I was very curious. I've been meditating for a while, but why are these fears visiting me? You know? And then I say, ah, I'm attached to my life. So for, for me, that was very interesting to find out. The reason why I was afraid to sit there is because of my attachment to my body. So that helps to go to the root, and then you can now address the root. Now I so come attached to my body, but then later on I say, well, if I'm to die, I'll upgrade existence. Then there's no fear. So the fear goes out of the window. Yeah, upgrade mm, to business class. <laughs> so does that help? Going to the root. Mm? Going to the root. Because that takes away from that being caught up in a tornado huh, of emotions. Yes, uh, pretty much the same, but the only thing is that... Hmm? It, I mean, I suppose the, the retracing would happen after you've gotten a little further down the, the it, path of anger. Yes, yes, yes. Stop as opposed to yeah. the investigation might happen a little earlier on. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah. Maybe. In, in fact, the, 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 the thing is, in the discourse, actually, it's very interesting. It talks about like, uh, calming the coming nervous system, it's like a man who's, who's running and say, why do I run? I should walk. And then somebody's walking and say, why do I walk? Then I should sit. It's, that process helps you to really uh, calm down. Eh? Yes. While the other one is more insightful. Uh, when we investigate, we are looking inside. Is it changing? Is it impermanent? And all these things. 
But when we say the, with the investigation of the condition for the arising, we talk about unwise attention. We talk about unwise attention. So in a way, there's a, 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 they're connected, but I, I think it's a more a really a progression where when you're caught up in a, a redirection doesn't work, you can do the, this kind of thing. In the suttas, actually, it's very systematic. This Vitaka Santana Sutta. He's saying that if, if a redirection doesn't work, that, these words actually are not used in a sutta, like retracing like that, but that's what they talk about. Yeah, those words, are, I'm, we're putting them there. But it's really actually really finding the springboards. Yeah. Okay? So my question is, is there a specific practice of sutta or meditation that goes with each one of these, like, the only one I kind of know for sure there is say something is the forgiveness practice. Mm -hmm. um, so do the other one have like a specific ascribed practice of meditation with yes. them? Yes. This one? Mr. Loving Kindness. Mr. Loving Kindness. You know that Metta Baba. This is definitely Metta because uh, there's also what we call compassion. When there's a lot of cruelty, you substitute with it, with uh, you substitute with uh, with the compassion. Sorry, for my part. The, then when, when there's envy, I I didn't write everything here because I knew uh, it's going to be a lot of writing. But in talking, I went, I mentioned it. When I mentioned about what's the opposite of envy, you said appreciate joy. Then the practice. So this one, the whole practice is about replacement. Right? With the appreciative joy, with the equanimity and all that. This one, this one is the insight meditation. Insight meditation. This one. This this one, insight meditation. Insight. All this. Insight. We call it insight meditation. Insight meditation. This is mindfulness. This one. All of it is mindfulness, actually. <laughs> this one, this one, this one, part of the Noble Eightfold Path, another practice of mindfulness. These ones, mindfulness. So it's all, it's all blended. So I'm using three discourses to blend them together, but all of it is about mindfulness, Insight meditation and men, uh, what you call uh, for Brahma Viharas. Yeah, but I hope that helps. But when you expand this teaching, they're all connected to other teachings. They're connected to uh, other teachings, it's all interconnected. But if you know all the, the three, you'll be good. That was my other question. When I start to read the sutta, I seem to be pulled away in all different directions. Is there a way that you would recommend um, that I read? Because I just get like, I, I get so, I, I, it's like a. Let me tell you, uh, I, I, I used to be like this. And what helped me is even when I, uh, we, uh, we build a temple in Uganda, I put the Damachaka Pawatana Sutta I mean the Damachaka, the will, I put it there. If you follow that will, nothing will go wrong. Okay. 
if you follow that wheel, because if if I'm to put the noble eight four path, everything that I'll put I'll put them there. This is part of that that effort. This one, all these parts, all these parts, these parts are called right efforts. And part of right effort, right effort, part of right effort is the effort to prevent and effort to overcome. This is the second part of effort, effort to overcome. And for some, all these methods is about overcoming. So then we, we talk about this, this is about right speed, this is about uh, right action, that's part of the, no, uh, the, the number eight for part. This is about right understanding. This is about right management. This is about right understanding. The entire thing is the number eight for part. So everything, you see, this is what the, the first discourse he taught, and he, he attained enlightenment. You can't go wrong <laughs> with that. <laughs> now, with the, uh, he, he, he taught the third discourse, which is called Anatalakana Sutta, which all people attain the full en enlightenment. When he taught the Noble Eightfold Path, people attain the first level of enlightenment. But when he taught the Anatalakana Sutta, people attain the full enlightenment. So if we ever get confused in, this, in these discourses, read the first three suttas. We call them Cardinal Suttas. Cardinal. Cardinal Suttas. The Fire Salmon, the Noble Eightfold Path, then the, the Anatalakana Sutta, and then the fourth foundation of mindfulness, because that's the practice of meditation. And once you put that under your belt, you can now stand relaxed, you can meditate, and start reading and adding more information. But everything is either directly or indirectly connected to the Four Noble Truth. That's the, the pillars. So you know the Four Noble Truth. Read the course, the Sutta on the Four Noble Truth. And after reading the Noble Eightfold Path, I mean, the, by the way, the, the Four Noble Truth and the Noble Eightfold Path and the Four Foundation of Mindfulness, those are one and the same thing. <laughs> I didn't figure out that one until I was with Bante Gunaratana. And we were studying and I was surprised that the Four Noble Truth and the Noble Eightfold Path and the Four Foundation of Mindfulness, those are the same thing. You, you, you can start reading. You are going to see. You, you start with the Noble Eightfold Path. You end up with the Four Foundation of Mindfulness. You start with the, 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 the Noble Eightfold Path. You end up with the Four Noble Truth. You start with the Four Noble Truth. You end up. It's all interrelated. So for starters, I think that's what I, I, I advise them. And those discourses are already there. Yes. Four Foundation of Mindfulness. Noble Eightfold Path. And then, the noble truth. Read those things and everything will follow. It will follow suit. Mm -hmm. hmm. All right, so I want to talk about avoidance. Mm -hmm. um, so on one hand, I feel like if I need to put myself through uh, pain deliberately, like if I'm training for a marathon, mm -hmm. um, exercising, pushing myself, mm -hmm. I find myself with motivational momentum, like, uh, I can keep going, even if my body breaks down. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I can sometimes trick myself into thinking, I need a break, mm -hmm. and then it needs to be a longer break, mm -hmm. and then a longer one. Mm -hmm. So how, I guess, um, it's, you're just playing by ear with yourself, but it seems like we can trick our mo ourselves into thinking that we need to avoid more or less when we don't. Mm -hmm. So how do we know when we should avoid something? Avoiding something wisely, it just, it seems really, really hard. 
It's really hard. That's why I actually I just qualified it, though the discourse doesn't qualify it. But I, I gave myself liberty to really wisely because I didn't want to say to sound that you always have to avoid difficult situation. But with understanding, you know when to, not to go there, right? With understanding, you know that I'm not going to go into fire, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's going to burn me. <laughs> so with the understanding, you say, no, I'm not going to hold this conversation because always it's tri triggering me, triggering a lot of emotions. Yes, how to know is mindfulness. The more we are mindful, because mindfulness means to be in the present moment and with whatever's arising in the present moment, we will know for ourselves. We don't need even an, a person from outside to tell us. Yes, so, and nobody from outside is going to tell you, okay, you have, a, it's enough. You, you'll know. You, you'll know what, what you can handle through your observation, what's your effort and your limitations, uh, your capacity. you know for yourself. I don't know whether that, that helps. There's no way there's a standard written in any book where you should stop to do this and all this. For me, like, for instance, I have a trouble, big trouble, uh, about engagements to teach. I feel I love teaching, but I, like, uh, but it's very difficult for me to say no. <laughs> but also I found out there's a conflict with my schedule. So at some time I have to say I can't come to teach because of the conflict of my schedule. People then tell me, oh no, say no. Me, I'm the one who has to look at my life and look at say no, I can't be in German and at the same time being in Uganda. Then I say no. So you can tell, it's not brain surgery. You can always know. Yeah, you can always, you, you check in yourself and really, you really find out what, what you're able to avoid and what you're able to handle. All right, thank you. <laughs> I hope it helps. I think it does. Okay, welcome. I can stop ruminating over it. Yes, yes. Good. Mm. It's, it's amazing in a discourse here it says about avoiding. Uh, avoiding, it's a very, very interesting. Yes, tends to be, uh, okay. Tends to be, uh, let me read it from the discourse. What, what taints, taints are mental defilements, bhikkhus, should be abandoned by avoiding. Here a bhikkhu, a monastic or personal practices um, to overcome uh, suffering, reflecting wisely. That's why I put wisely. Hmm? Wisely. Uh, avoids a wild, a wild elephant, a wild horse, a wild bull, a wild dog, a snake, a stump, a, a, a blambo, patch, a, a chasm, a cliff, a cesspit, a sewer. <laughs> Reflecting wisely, he avoids, he avoids sitting on, on unsuitable seats. That's for monks and nuns. Wandering in unsuitable resorts and associating with bad friends. Since if he were to do so, wise, uh, wise companion in a holy life might suspect him of evil conduct. While tense vexation and fever might arise in one who does not avoid these things, there are no tense, there are no tense vexation and fever in one who avoids them. These are called the tents or mental deferment that should be abandoned by avoiding. Yes, 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 definitely. 
appreciate. Yes. Okay, please ask. A question related to emotions when they turn inward. And we were talking about you can have external. Yeah, I told you about guilt. Yeah, guilt. Guilt. Yes. So I, a, a, a very real situation. Right. Uh, a, a beloved relative who and, and her husband who are going through, they're both going through a health crisis mm. together. Mm. When they were first married, mm. um, shortly after they were married, they had a child, but mm -hmm. then her husband got a leukemia. Mm -hmm. uh, and through the, through the chemotherapy, mm. he lost some of his memory and he's mm. had difficulties mm. uh, dealing with it. Mm. 20 years later, mm. they both have health, health problems. Mm. His leukemia is coming back, mm. uh, and when I spoke to spoke to her, she said, "I feel angry, and I, I don't understand." And in her and her immediate reaction is to try to suppress it because mm. she feels guilty because mm. she feels this is an unhealthy emotion. Mm. And it's the case we were talking about an emotion which, first, I mean, she's a non-practitioner, mm. but someone you know to recognize that it's a real emotion. Mm. But I feel kind of at a loss as to how to, what, except to say, pause and recognize it's a real emotion and don't beat yourself up about it. Mm. But trying to give some kind of um, guidance about, well, how, how, can, how can a non-practitioner you know, deal with this? And in a, in a, in a very real kind of, situation that's that's happening very happening very quickly mm -hmm. well uh you see this is uh, not only information relevant to practitioners even non-practitioners you can help them but i think the best help is to tell them why you feel what are you feeling right now go in your body you put them in the present moment because for me i i i, I see many people facing problem, they are not even Buddhist or practitioners, but still you can help them to observe it. Because uh, even if people, if they're not believing in meditation or meditating, they have emotions. You can just tell them, now let's check in with you. How do you feel? Because most people always skip that portion, you know, they just go keep on glossing over it. They say, what's your... Uh, your experience right now. How do you feel it in the body? How do you feel this emotion in the body? Because every emotion it will be localized sometime uh, somewhere in the body. That's why we say the real issues are in the tissues. Right? <laughs> so try to tell them how they feel. And then try to, to guide them, okay, now uh, how you feel when you are with this emotion? Then you'll say, oh, you know, I feel uh, tension, I feel tightness. And all that. everybody will have that direct experience. Mm -hmm. And then, okay, how you feel if you are able to relax or, or if you are able to breathe in and breathe out? And that time you focus on a positive emotion. Or touch the area where you feel softness. So, because those people, they, they don't practice, so they don't know many words that you're going to speak. So try to bring them in the body and say, okay, now, how do you feel it here? Do you feel this guilt here, the tension here in the body? And okay, where do you feel that softness in your body? So let's touch that one. So can you feel, uh, because uh, the body is healing and touching is healing, so you, you can 
ask them to touch themselves and touch it and, and say, okay, now you have this guilt. Can you say, okay, you did, at that time you did what you had to do within given time and resources, you did what you had to do. So don't focus what you didn't do, right? And also bring them to the uh, understanding that uh, this health uh, is uh, it's just changing. Sometimes people have disease and all these things. You, you tell them what's the reality of life because it's very easy to leave people to live their life in self-denial. All people are getting sick, but except them mm-hmm. on all these things. So you can help them, but I found out there's nothing that helps people who don't practice than really invite them to be with their physical experience. Even if something's going on in the mental realm, it's all connected in the body. So we are not talking about discourses here now. We are with actual experience. Let, uh, invite them to be in their body and feel the gut feeling of that uh, emotion. And then you tell them that's also it's changing. How do you feel one minute ago? Let them give, them the ans- give you the answer. Oh, it's now increasing or it's changing or it's t- staying the same. These things they can tell. And then when they, they, they can tell maybe after two minutes, five minutes, give them time. Be present. Basically, most of the people want to be there available. You, there's, there's somebody there uh, for them. They don't expect you to fix the problem. That's the problem. We meditators, people who do know all this stuff, we, we tend to be in a fixing mode, always fixing something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So be in a moment where you are just witnessing that. Just listening. In fact, most of those people, they want somebody to listen to them. When, as they're talking, they're flashing out the information. You acknowledge what they're saying. You, you're actively listening what they're saying. Oh, you mean you really feel this way? Yes, yeah, I feel this way. And now how do you feel? How does it feel now? Is there any change? So I think you can still help. Does that help? That's, that's, that's very helpful because I think, you know, I'm, I'm reluctant to give advice and to, to offer, but to but to actually just listen. Listen to and, them. And, and, that, and, and that's very helpful to say, go to your body. Yes. You know, where do you feel it? Yes. And let the answer come from them. Thank you. Okay, welcome. So, another? One more question, I think. One more question. Okay, if there's no question, so thank you very much for attending this program. And thank you very much for inviting me after five years. But that's not your problem, it's my problem. <laughs> you didn't calculate that. It's me who has been away from uh, this country for a long time, uh, in Africa and Sri Lanka. I was away for a long time. Even I wasn't teaching at IMS, actually, since 2014, I think. So thank you very much for inviting me here. And uh, hope to see you again. So. Okay. You have something to say? Um, yeah. Four minutes. You have almost five. Thank you so much for you for being here. And um, your teaching is just um, wonderful. Um, I, I know that you discussed early on that the Vedana for the, this weekend is being offered to the Uganda Buddhist Center. Mm-hmm. And although we don't have too much time, but maybe if you just shared a little bit of what that center does for that community. Mm-hmm. So Okay. Yes, uh, Uganda Buddhist Center, the first Buddhist temple in Uganda. (laughs) 2005. 
we established the temple, and uh, there was no Buddhist, and I was there and established it. My mother joined me, became a nun. My mother became the first Buddhist and the first nun <laughs> in, the, in that part of the world. And uh, our activities, we have a temple, you can Google actually, Uganda Buddhist Temp Center in Uganda. You can Google there and then you, you see our activities. Our activities uh, can divide into four parts. One is uh, we, we ordain. Uh, at the moment, we have had three ordinations, one person from Egypt, Rwanda, and Uganda. So we have three more monks since I started the center. Since I started the center, four people have ordained in Uganda, plus my mother, that's four. Hmm? Three monks and one nun. So that's a program we run. In, in case you are thinking about ordination, you're welcome. <laughs> For short time, I know. <laughs> if you think uh, you, you want to become, <laughs> you can come both of you. <laughs> so that's the program that's going on. Then the second program that goes on is teaching mindfulness to all people, whether you're Buddhist or not. In fact, we have an international retreat in every year, seven days. People come from different countries. We, we, started, it, we started it this program this year. And uh, it was on difficult emotions. And uh, we had uh, uh, 12 Catholic nuns and one father, uh, Catholic father. And then we are just only a few of us who are not Christians in that tradition. Uh, so it was amazing to see Catholic nuns with their veils doing yoga and meditation. <laughs> it was a wonderful thing. You will see the picture on the website. Catholic nuns doing mindfulness practice. So the way I teach actually mindfulness in that part of the world really is to teach people, those who are, all those people who don't want to suffer and they want happiness, that's the qualification. If you don't want to suffer and you want happiness, that's the first qualification. The second one, if you have a mind. <laughs> so if you have a mind... <laughs> That's on the, 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 the requirement. You have a mind, and you don't want to suffer, and you want happiness. Those are only two requirements. So with those two requirements, so many people have come, actually. Even in somebody is called Leslie Booker, who was from here, actually came to Uganda. Yes, after teaching, it was teaching like this weekend, Leslie came to do a two-week crash course in Uganda. Long time ago. Yes, yes. And now she's a yoga teacher, and she's a teacher. When I met her, she just, uh, yeah, so it's amazing people have come to, uh, to our temple. We have many volunteers coming also to, from United States and other countries. So that's program there, mindfulness practice, uh, really to overcome suffering. Uh, that's really general, anybody can attend. Then we have another program for empowering uh, women uh, uh, who don't have jobs. and uh, So we, we have a program to make like a, local art crafts and handcrafts and uh, they come and uh, do the what they call beads and all that so they can sell them and earn an income and they can survive actually because they, they are very poor and then um, they, when they come together they say wow before we are just talking this meaningful speech but when we work together at the temple we are always talking something meaningful and they, they work together now as a community that's also we do that program. Another program is children. Children from around the village, uh, they don't have uh, money to go to school. We give them scholarships to go to school. And then 
Almost every day they come to the temple to learn meditation. So you see them sitting like this, and very little kids. And after that, they learn Pali language. Yeah, so those are the programs we have at the Uganda Buddhist Center. So it's just a small bubble there to help the community, actually. Yeah, so you, kids, for me, it's amazing when I started the temple, and the kids used to go to church in the morning, and then they come to Uganda Buddhist Center and get a full dose. <laughs> full dose, yeah, because I know uh, I, I like to teach kids and play with them and tell stories. So the parents accepted them to always to come by the temple and then they really learn something that can change their life, respect, culture. And there's another program I have is about teaching African wisdom and mindfulness. It's, I want mindfulness to emerge with African wisdom. And then so that at least mindfulness is landing on the fertile soil. So, and that one, people are picking up this very fast. Okay, you have to go. Yes. Yeah. Okay, you're welcome. Yeah, thank you very much. Okay, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, so that's what we are doing. Yeah, uh, teaching uh, mindfulness based. Uh, based on African wisdom. So that's what we do. That's what we're going to do next time. Uh, sorry? That's what you're going to do next time. Yeah, that would be wonderful. We would love to get an idea. Oh, good. Yeah. Yes. Yes, yes. Thank okay. you so much. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So that everybody a little bit more about how the Donna will be yeah. uh, supporting such an incredible community. Yes. Thank you so much. Okay, you're welcome. Thank you. Till we meet again. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.